to the Skeptic Wire. One forty-six of the Skeptic Wire for the twenty-second of January, two thousand fourteen. I'm your host, Gary Lyon. With me this week are Greg Perrine. Hello, hello, hello. And Donna Swafford. Apparently, I'm the biggest shill for big pharma ever. Got told that this week. Pretty proud of myself. Really? Can you spread the wealth a little bit? I, I can <laughs> I use some wish, of those giant I, checks you're getting. Apparently, they're still in the mail. Yeah. It's weird to, to uh, send Czechoslovakian people through the mail, however. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I, I was having a Facebook conversation with someone who got involved in uh, one of Brian Dunning's like uh, show anniversary musical episodes or whatever for, hmm. for his podcast. And uh, um, apparently she was wondering when she was going to get the, the big pharma shill conspiracy money. And I said, well, it's kind of like the Screen Actors Guild where you have to do a few things – a few podcasts or blogs or whatever, and then the Illuminati notices you and starts sending you money. Yeah, and then you get and that 25 cent residual check. Residual yeah. check sent to you. Yeah. You're like, yay, finally got paid. But the difference is they have the little pyramid on them, and someone in, yeah. a, in dark robes delivers Well, you don't, you don't even have door. to do that anymore. Like with CD Baby, you know, I get 25 bucks about once a year. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm raking in the bucks. You're the big music shill. Yeah. That's what. Exactly. You're from Big Sound. <laughs> right. That's right, because I mastered the shit out of those. <laughs> you want to know who won the, the Loudness Wars? Me. It's all static. Look it up. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Loudness Wars. It's where the record companies are trying to get the loudest record out there. So oh, okay. uh, met the previous Metallica album and the... Uh, the previous Rush album, not the latest one, but the like two two back, uh, were were mastered so horribly that they literally had distortion in them, and so Rush actually went back and remastered it. But but the problem is, is you you limit you, you compress it so much there's no soft spots. So even the soft spots are loud, so your ears don't get a rest, and so pretty much it sounds like shit. <laughs> That's so it's kind of like all those commercials where all of a sudden they have a really loud commercial in the middle just for, just to be that. Yeah, loud. but it's it's all commercial all the time. The thing about that is the whole purpose of CD was to replace the the vinyl record, right? And the vinyl record you could only get so loud, so it had a really good dynamic range, and even even more so than than tape. Tape actually has a fairly poor dynamic range. I think it's like a like an eight bit or or 10-bit, I think. So it's kind of like depth. Nintendo. Well, yeah, the, the depth of it. So you don't have a lot of difference between the loud and the soft, which may have pushed the loudness. But the thing with, with digital now, you can actually really push the limits of loudness. And so that's mm -hmm. what record executives wanted. They heard... And it's just gotten out of control. So it causes a problem when you've got your iPod set on random shuffle and it goes from like a Beethoven string quartet to Matt Metallica and oh, it's well, yeah. all of a sudden ah yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly but and again you get ear fatigue so you literally get 
tired listening yeah. to this stuff. Except for that neighbor of mine who has the hip hop card that's going. Well, that's yeah. bass, and that's a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a there's a reason for the volume knob. Yes, and that's so you can turn it up. Uh huh. So, anyway, uh, to eleven. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can turn it up to infinity in some cases. But when you just need a little boost, you push it to 11. Right. Exactly. Just the push over the cliff. Anyway, um, what we got going on? We have a birthday? Yes. Yes, what? we have a birthday. Because yeah, no one really cares about our week. Certainly not <laughs> mine. Any, any, you guys do anything interesting this week at all? Um, no, not particularly. You, Donna? Uh, work. How, how did you get called a big pharma well, shill? Okay. Oh. So I had a conversation with one of my brothers, which necessitated the, your big gun, anti-gun, which I'm not quite sure how I can be both at the same time. <laughs> Still trying to work that and one out. And which part of the militia that is well-regulated are you? Right, anyway, exactly. Continue. And because he said that he came out with the whole, they're using dead fetuses and, and vaccines and, and all of this. As it's, and I was just like. Do you not listen to my show? We talk about this shit all the damn time. But Jenny McCarthy, you said. And the, you know, and, he was one step away from that. And I know it's just the boobs for Jenny McCarthy. That's all he's interested in. the in. Australian Vaccination Network. Right. So I got an email from him just saying I was a big shill for all of these things and that I needed to keep my opinions to myself. To which I replied, you're the one who asked me about it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> So then today, I, there was a very interesting graphic, um, I think I posted, LA Times put it out, where they showed vaccine-preventable disease hotspots. And, oh my god. <laughs> but did they also show the corresponding autism rates? No. Of course not. Because there are none. <laughs> yes. And so, I got a, a friend of mine from grad school was all like... Well, they're just going to start throwing people in jail. And I went, basically, citation needed. And he sent me this article. From it's kind of a, like a weird slippery slope kind of argument from absurdity kind of, what? you know, dogs and cats living together, yeah, mass hysteria, hysteria kind of exactly. argument. Well, he sent me this one. And like I said, it was an article from a Maryland court judge. Basically, there was like 1,200 or, or 2,000 unvaccinated students at this one school and he basically called everybody in and said here's a chance you can clean it up clear it up if you've got your vaccinations we'll just take care of all of it or you can get vaccinated here or you know we'll make arrangements for you to get your little because maryland has one of the easiest states to opt out of they actually have a, like a conscience clause not a religious exemption. It's an actual, like, I don't want Not my kid to have it. Not even a doctor's note clause. It's just, I don't feel like doing it clause. It's a form that you fill out at the public health department that says, I don't want my kid to have vaccines. Here you go. Boom. They're in school. Right. It's reprehensible, but it's legal. Right. And so he was all like, see, this, this doc, this judge was threatening to throw people in jail. And I was all like, not quite. A, no one was arrested, blah, blah. And I went through the thing. And I'm like, you're arguing your arguments are bad. And I pointed out, you know, like I had a, he's like, well, a lot of people believe that vaccines are bad. And I'm like, that is, uh, what is it? Absurd. Argument and popular. And yeah. I was like, and he was all like, didn't address it. And then another friend of ours got hit. A lot of people believe in the fucking Loch Ness monster. It doesn't make it real. It was just, 
<laughs> turn down Gary's mic. And just, you know, he's, he has, he suffered from some Gulf War syndrome. I know that he was in the military, had some issues, has some issues with the whole anthrax thing. And I was like, look, I'm not going to debate the anthrax things because I haven't researched it enough. I'm not going to debate it. You're still an idiot, but I'm not going to debate it with you. Yeah, gotcha. And I'm like, when you start, I say, give me peer-reviewed, good studies to talk about. And so he goes, well, here, read this. And I, I didn't even look at it. I was like, it's from Mercola. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying it's going to be natural news. It's going to be. And so be... I was like, basically, yeah. I said, if you are sending me from something from National Vaccine Information Center, Mercola, natural news, I'm not going to read it. These guys have an agenda. And he's like, well, it's from this doctor. Dr. Blaylock. And I went and looked this guy up and I am so sorry that I did. My eyes almost started bleeding <laughs> reading about this guy because it's all the same shit that Mercola and Health Ranger, if, all them put out. If they've got an entry on the skeptic dictionary, I'm probably not going to listen to them as evidence. Right. And so that's what I pointed out. And he was all like, Ugh. and I'm just like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I asked for peer reviewed scientific studies. And I actually quoted some. I actually went out and found the studies and put them in my thing. Say, here you Because he made the argument that we shouldn't bombard kids with vaccines. You know, it's the, the too many. Too much too defense. soon, yeah. And I'm all like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Read, read, read. And I'm pretty sure that he didn't because he responded within like three points of a second. The people that you're arguing against rarely, if ever, read the they, they don't do what you did. You went to the link and followed the link, and he just looked at it and said, "Oh well." He read the headline. Yeah, right. He he got the takeaway from it, <laughs> and then ignored it. Or he went on Mercola's site, and Mercola has right. a takedown of his own. Probably not. I mean, the burden of the skeptic is that we have to go look it up and read yeah. and make a decision. Where it's easy for the let's just put it the umbrella of believer. To just spout stuff. I think that... I think we should. There's the Gish Gallop. I think we should have the uh, Marcola McGuffin. <laughs> right, and so he actually did end up coming back and saying he just he keeps going back to the same thing about how the studies are wrong and their methodology is wrong. But he cites these little tiny studies. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, four people. <laughs> One person. Uh, Jenny McCarthy's son. Right. <laughs> and he's cherry picking his evidence. And every time that I, that I'm like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I lay it out. You try to address his points. I get, but, 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 he look over goal, here. He moves the goalposts. And, and yeah. I'm just, I'm not responding right now because yeah. I'd rather be talking to you guys. That, yeah, that's the the internet burnout of just keep trying. You you keep trying to whack that whack a mole down, and it just they won't accept any of the arguments. And and unfortunately, that's what they say about us that we're so closed minded that we w- we won't think that it's possible that I don't vaccines you. could ta- cause autism. But yeah, this Thank guy, you, Sheldon. <laughs> this guy is going on about how. People are going to be uprising in the streets over vaccines and shit. Yeah, and I'm like, didn't this start start with you being an anti-gun shill? So it was, no, it's... this is the anti-gun shill and all of that was from my brother. This is from a guy from grad okay. school. I've had two of it. I'm just apparently just a big old shill. I can't wait <laughs> for my liberal hippie person thing with guns. 
I own guns, yeah. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm pro-gun, anti-gun. You don't have the right kind of guns. <laughs> Apparently. If, if you're going to be worshipping at the altar of of concealed carry, you better have the right type of gun. I have one of those. How dare you try you to conceal your gun? You should wear it openly on your face every day. And... On your face? <laughs> yeah. But... Do I... Doesn't everybody have a face holster? <laughs> yeah, I just I usually walk around just uh, with the... I was just trying to think of the most blatant... my nostrils. <laughs> the blatant po- most blatant point to have a gun so everybody has to look at you like, I have a gun. As opposed to, like, over your shoulder where nobody can see it, like if it's a rifle or... If it's a rifle, people are going to see it. Well, it depends on if it's one of those, like, nice, sleek, wooden hunter rifles that it's, you know, not as easy to see. You don't really, you don't really. (laughs) I'm from the suburbs of New Jersey. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about about guns, so. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're big and orange and yellow, and they fire water, right? I mean, how are you going to conceal that sucker? No, Gary, no, they fire Nerf. (laughs) Now he's ignorant. Battery powered. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I guess we're glad that you're taking that on, Donna. Yeah. I, every once in a while, you just have to have this argument where you're like, no, uh, the line is here and no further. Y'all shall not pass. And just say, fuck you. No, you're wrong. And you have to pile on. And then you get sick and tired of it. You shall not vax. <laughs> and then you want to leave the internet for three weeks. Yeah. It's just... I've just been getting it from all sides this week. So, listeners, come on, join the crowd. You know you want to bitch Pile about on me. Donna. <laughs> um, you might want to rephrase that thing. Pile on Donna? I said you might as well just start bitching at me, too. So, was that right. the one or his? Uh, the, 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 the pile on and the, you know, you taking all comers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Your mind's in the gutter. Have you met me? <laughs> Gary, let me introduce you to my friend Greg. Hello, I'm Greg Bryan. You've been doing a podcast with me for nearly three years. Huh. What have I done with my life? <laughs> In the last three years, not much, apparently. Apparently forgotten the last three years. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, do we have a birthday? <laughs> yes, we have a birthday. And um, I am going to make a special rule that... Um, this week, Donna, you are not allowed to guess. I am sorry, but you're not allowed to guess. You can help Gary if he can't remember what the name is. Okay. But I am guessing you're probably going to know pretty soon. Is um, it an anthropologist? <laughs> no. The other area of expertise. This person was born January 22nd, 1959. Okay. An actress. Okay. Um, is known for one very spectacular role played as a child. Hold on. I've got one thing to say to you. Ah! Ah! Oh, uh, Linda Blair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my next, my, one of my next clues was going to be pea soup. <laughs> we, should, we should play Pictionary. <laughs> How does ah! work in Pictionary? Because you can't Charades? sing. Charades, whatever. Yeah. But yes. One of those, one of those, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is exactly why Donna was not allowed to guess, because it was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, did, my big problem is I, I can't remember names, so it's weird that I remember Linda Blair's name. Yes. I, I don't know. But yes, yeah, she was the child, uh, Reagan, Regan? 
Yes, Regan, I believe. Um, the, okay, one of the problem of choosing Linda Blair as the birthday person is, I don't know if Donna's going to hit me for this or not, but I don't, I've never seen The Exorcist. <gasps> Shock, horror, dismay. Yes, yes. So, please don't kill me yet. Let's finish the show. I'm giving you what is known as the side eye right now. Yeah. It's, well, it's it's about a, a woman who grows up and and she she likes leggings and she starts teaching people how to exercise to music. I think that was one of the sequels. <laughs> and it's a guy in a hat who <laughs> dies at the end. Yeah. Sure. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> you are a spoiler. There's actually, there's actually a couple of people in hats, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, oddly enough, her Wikipedia article has her wearing a hat. See, hats hats are all uh, hats were all the rage back when people having the demons uh, yes. expelled from them. She was in The Exorcist, and uh, she played the little girl Regan Reagan, um, who was the one possessed by the de uh, by the demon Pazuzu. Um, apparently, not the actual devil themselves, but is is Pazuzu an actual demon, or I, did they just make that I, up? I honestly don't know. Good hmm. to the Google right now. Um, apparently. It turns out Pazuzu is actually a fictional character. So you don't have to worry about getting possessed by Pazuzu. Right. Which is weird because it's actually taken from uh, It's a Wonderful Life and it's actually Pazuzu's pedals. But um, something got cut off and so it's actually Zuzu's pedals at the I, end of the movie. Yeah, I don't remember if I've seen A Wonderful Life either. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> You are culturally inferior, sir. Well, that's part of why I wanted. <laughs> I, I chose Linda Blair over, say, Francis Bacon or one of the other people who was born today, because that movie, The Exorcist, is linked to a lot of cultural understanding of uh, of supernatural stuff, demons and exorcisms, and the whole exactly thing, yeah. how an exorcism works, what a demonic possessed person is like. Um, that Ouija boards can get you possessed by the devil. I'm sure people have thought of that beforehand, but now even more than that, ever. That, that's the one that really pushed it into the public consciousness. I'm sure there were lots of slumber parties in the 70s and 80s after The Exorcist came out that was inspired by this. Oh, yeah. it's, well, yeah. remember, the, the Ouija board was a game yeah. initially, and then um, the church took over. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it was The Exorcist. Maybe been The Exorcist that actually pushed that. Yeah, I can't speak uh, intelligently on this or learnedly on this, <laughs> but I think the idea of a, a a planchette or whatever with a thing that you would point to letters, I think that's been around for a while, but it's only yeah. became the Ouija board by Milton Bradley or something in the yeah. last 50 or some years. Yeah, they, they like came that. up with the planchette. It used to be a plantain that they used. <laughs> on a plantation? Yeah. <laughs> they just rubbed a potato around on yeah. the thing. That's a banana. I, I was thinking starchy foods, and I just went with that. Okay. <laughs> Even more absurd than smushing a banana on letters and things. <laughs> yeah. They tried Twinkies, <laughs> but they just fell apart. <laughs> but it's a wonderful thing to clean up. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so, and, and also one of the things with The Exorcist is that um, it got a reputation of being one of those kind of cursed movies mm -hmm. where I think it was the. The director's character, who's employs the the mother of the kid, die dies in the film, but he died of the flu after the film. I think that's the character I'm thinking of. Um, there was a big fire on set, and apparently the director wanted to bring in a 
uh, bishop or something to bless the set so that you know all this mumbo jumbo would not so to exercise the exorcism yeah essentially part of me thinks that that would be more of a publicity stunt so that if people heard about it mm. they would say oh this this movie is so uh vivid that even the they had uh, exorcism on the set or something like that yeah so it's it's a lot of like the the superstition around movie sets of things like this and the um poltergeist movie yeah how like three of the kids died or whatever or all that kind of fun stuff two of them the two girls dominique dunn was killed by her boyfriend he he strangled her i just shortly after they finished the first one and then um heather o'rourke died from a a stomach virus Mm -hmm. ailment something she gone into surgery and passed away on the operating table obviously caused by being in poster Poster, 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 face. It's caused by her being a couch. <laughs> Obviously caused by her being in poltergeist. Clearly. But Linda Blair is still alive um, and has, you know. That's because she has demons watching over her. <laughs> <laughs> she did the, the rehearsals of being exercised just so much that, you know, she is uber protected from the devil or something like that. But yeah, so she's still had some uh, movie credits, not like big movie star kind of level, but she's also done some parodies of things like The Exorcist. So obviously has a sense of humor about what her made her a household name. Apparently so do demons. God doesn't know. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say Exorcist the Beginning, the prequel that was done in 2004, is actually a much better film. Okay. I haven't seen that one either. It actually gives kind of the the backstory of the priest and it's right. it's well done it's got Stellan Skarsgård and the funny uh not the funny thing about it when they when <laughs> the exorcist. they <laughs> he was a ventriloquist hey that's a that's a quote from um Beetlejuice have you seen he goes yeah. you know I lived through the black pig had a pretty good time during that I've seen the exorcist 137 times and it keeps getting funnier every time I see it I love that like but um, they when they did The Exorcist, the beginning, they shot it, and when they put it into the focus groups, people hated it. Yeah. And they actually reshot the entire film. They eventually released them both. Yeah, it's on the same DVD. Mm. <laughs> Buy one, get the other for free. Now, kill. But I, I don't know much about these movies because I'm just not a big fan of horror movies. That explains why I haven't seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life either. <laughs> But yeah, so she was born today, January 22nd, and it's more of a conversation about the bigger thing about movies like this, that like when Species came out, that movie... Oh, that, with uh, Natasha Henstridge. Exactly. That um, is the movie that kind of spawned the original look, apparently, of what people thought Chupacabra looked like. That it was this humanoid Boy, that figure. <laughs> yeah, that it was this humanoid figure with, with spikes and... And reptilioid and all that kind of running and sucking goats and all stuff like that. And now, basically, Chupacabra, unfortunately, has been reduced to the level of, yeah, that kind of looks like a mangy dog. Must be Chupacabra. Yeah, just the the influence that movies can have on our popular culture of understanding things. I mean, we talked, I I guess, a month ago or so about, um, I think it was another birthday segment, about a preacher that is still doing exorcisms to this day. And his exorcisms don't look anything like the exorcist, but he still does a lot of the tropes of uh, the power of Christ compels you and the 
the cross and the Bible. And of course, the people who are being exorcised, they have to talk in the demon, demon voice and, and fuck you and fuck your mother. Like the, and then thrash the, around and sometimes yeah. and they throw up. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Split pea soup. <laughs> but the, so many people have taken their idea of how, what it's like to be exercised from this movie that um, it's a little unfortunate, but also kind of can help you spot, you know, people who are pretending to be demon possessed versus people who really might actually have mental issues that, hey, let's bring them to a psychologist or a psychiatrist instead. Happy birthday, Linda. <laughs> Happy birthday, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> well, you have a deep, gravelly voice. Do you smoke? My dad smoked a lot. So that must be why you're gravelly voiced, because it passed through somehow? or Well, no, it's because I've been recording uh, heavy metal songs. Which would be... Death metal. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, okay. We're working <laughs> on it scared. together. <laughs> so let's talk about tobacco. Tobacco. Get old tobacco. Not the chewing kind, but the secondhand kind. Yes? Um, mostly, yes. Because um, I got a lot of that when I was younger. <laughs> so did I. Actually, let me ask you. Because you actually suffer from asthma, right? <laughs> like, I had, I had asthmatic symptoms when I was younger, but I never had asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad smoked, I mean, I would buy my dad's cigarettes Cigarettes. for him so that he could blow them (laughs) in my face. But did your parents smoke when you were younger? Um, my mother smoked when I was a baby and probably during pregnancy. I don't know. Okay. Cause Um, my mom did not smoke. But eventually quit. And my father, I don't think smoked at all. He had asthma as well. So I think with me, it's more of the genetic connection. Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, cigarette smoking actually clears the lungs and gives you a vibrant uh, state of being. Uh, Gary's last statement <laughs> apparently was stuck from the 1940s. <laughs> doctors, doctors recommended before going into surgery. Have you been binge watching <laughs> Mad Men again? <laughs> no, I haven't seen a single episode of that. Oh, just like me, and it's a wonderful life. Yeah, there's only one episode. Not of big on horror films either, are you? Yeah. What? I was. Doing kind of a callback and a I, say I've about I've watched I've, I've I watched that, the classic horror films, okay. but like like uh, Gone with the Wind, yeah, yeah, or Love Actually, yes, The Notebook, <laughs> the Postman. Oh my God! Don't don't remind me this. <laughs> the Kevin Costner yeah. Postman. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, and Waterworld, of course. <laughs> no, I didn't think that was that scary. Huh. I didn't think it was that great. It was funny as hell, but <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> wherever going, something. Going, okay, uh, you want okay. to tell us something about a st- new study on, on from the CDC released Lots last week? Lots of news coming out this week about smoking in general. Uh, and speaking of general, the Surgeon General, or well, actually the Acting Surgeon General of the United States, it's acting. Yes, because uh, apparently, I, I assume I blame this on Congress that they haven't confirmed the Surgeon General Well, they're yet. worried that uh, the Surgeon General is going to come out and uh, say that masturbation is okay. It wouldn't be the first time. Well, exactly. Um, the acting Surgeon General is Boris D. Lusniak. That's a mouth. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm just going to call him Boris from now on or just the Surgeon General. 
50 years ago, a Surgeon General came out and said, you know what? Smoking has links to lung cancer and heart disease. We should do something about that. And in the last 50 years, due to medical campaigns and also government programs and taxes and, and all this kind of stuff, the rates of smoking in the United States has dropped dramatically from about 42% in 1964, 65 to about 18% maybe in the last couple of years. Hmm. So there has been a lot of reduction in smoking because people know better now, except for that 20% that still smoke. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't smoke, but I had friends who smoked in college. And I was surprised. I went to Texas Tech for my undergraduate and I didn't see a lot of people smoking out there. I mean, there were the people when they drank, they smoked, right? Yeah. And a lot of people regularly. But when I went to WorldCom, I was surprised at how many people in uh, Oklahoma, Tulsa, smoked. I was I was actually shocked by right. how many people uh, were smokers. But recently, with with the cutting down of smoking in bars in, in uh, San Antonio, Dallas, and California. <laughs> Plenty of other states has done yeah. have done that, but it's yeah. more recent here in San Antonio. Yeah. 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 But I I what I do see now is the the vaping. So the electronic cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh I I had a point. Now I forgot. I think that was it, my point. It just surprised you how many people do still smoke. Yeah. And there there, there have been some some people have done the the numbers and crunched it in that there has been correlations between the more educated you are, the less likely you are to smoke. The lower income you are, the more likely you are to smoke, that sort of thing. So it may have been um, an income thing from childhood or, or, you know, or whatever. Not to disparage Oklahoma too much, but a little bit of stereotyping there is not entirely surprising. But yeah. there are plenty of people who smoke in New York and not just people who immigrated from other places and didn't know any better. There have been lots of studies over the years further confirming the idea that lung cancer and heart disease have significant links to smoking. And the most recent Surgeon General report, which is apparently like the 34th done in the last 50 years, just by the Surgeon General alone, to kind of put all this research together, has said, well, there's actually other diseases out there that are also causally linked to smokers and um Mainly people who smoke tobacco, so it's pipe smoking, so cigars and and cigarettes. Uh, cigarettes. Um, there's not a lot of words in here about chewing tobacco or obviously vaporizing because vaporizing is purely just the nicotine. But the the smoking of the tobacco leaves themselves, right? Is well, most of what this is about, right? Because it's not necessarily the nicotine that causes the problems. It's the tars and the other additives inside the, the, mm -hmm. the, the leaves and, and whatever, whatever else is inside yeah, a cigarette. Yeah. Plus the I've filler. also, yeah. also um, heard something on NPR yeah, fairly recently talking about this, that they've seen that, especially also talking with uh, marijuana, that with marijuana and tobacco, it's actually also the, the act of incinerating the chemicals. Mm-hmm. And having them at that high temperature or, or something about cooking them that makes it even more dangerous as opposed to maybe someone who does marijuana in a brownie or uh, or chewing tobacco, yeah, which is well, not burnt. Right. But it's also when you cook a marijuana in a brownie or you're not bringing it directly into your lungs. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's the charred chemicals as opposed to something baked at 325 degrees or something just chewed. 
that that adds another level of danger to what's mm. going on. Just like, you know, kind of like as a, as a kid, I've been on enough camping trips seeing people wanting to move when the smoke from the fire moves in their direction. It's like, why do we want to purposely breathe that in with tobacco smoke, too? Well, so it, because, it, because it, it you gives you a high. You don't want to smoke either. I, I, I understand that. <laughs> but um, breathing in smoke is not great for you, whatever the smoke is. Cause it, well, right, but I, I think I, I think your comparison is is off. So, well, that was a child's comparison. Yes. Okay, but the <laughs> the you know if 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 I light the fireplace, I'm not going to stick my head there and breathe in the burning embers or whatever for what's going on. You would if there were pot roll. Uh... <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> Remember who you're talking to. God, I have to keep reintroducing myself to Gary every five minutes in this episode. Right, but there's, but saying you wouldn't is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I know. But we're getting off point. But the idea that the incinerating of the, the you would tobacco, if they were beanie babies. <laughs> you go there, you'd be all on top of those, putting them out. No, not the beanie babies. <laughs> you have like a. You're like one a, of those guys who looks around a room to determine what he's going to do for his next password on his computer. Uh, uh, picture painting Beanie Baby. Okay, Beanie Baby. I certainly do not. <laughs> Your password is one two three four five six, isn't it? You missed one. <laughs> no zero. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm a, I'm an engineer, so I always start with zero. <laughs> anyway, well, there's a greater than zero um, possibility of. If you smoke, also getting these other diseases, including uh, type 2 diabetes mellitus, uh, age-related macular degeneration, which I assume is basically your eyes go wonky. Um, there's erectile dysfunction. So, um, yeah. Uh, rheumatoid <laughs> arthritis. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just skip over that one. Nobody wants to think about erectile dysfunction, do they? <laughs> there's pills for that. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis it can impair your immune system, worsen your asthma, and if you are pregnant, cause uh, cleft lips or palates in fetuses. So, uh, you know, there have been other studies that have shown that a mother who smokes can endanger the fetus with all of what's going on. And it also now has been linked to cleft palates and cleft lips. So the, this most, most recent report added a bunch of stuff to the saying uh, not as strong as we know, say, lung cancer and heart cancer is released. Is you mean heart to... disease? Shut up. <laughs> Just how dare you be right? Um, <laughs> it's the... I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, bad... it's, it's the woman in her. <laughs> Damn it. Fuck you. I hate you, Gary. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> bad stuff happens when you smoke, and now even more bad stuff, including, oh, I forgot from the list, uh, they've also lick, licked it? This, well... This is going to be interesting. To liver cancer and colorectal cancer as well. Okay. Well, it's, it's always happened. They just have now a more uh, distinguished idea of what happens. Yes. Because it's, it's, we have more of a longitudinal Yeah, there's look more data going on. And um, I, I assume it's the kind of thing where, like, heart cancer uh, – fucking stupid Greg – heart disease and lung cancer are almost conclusively proven now. But we've shown even – it's a little bit more of a gray area, but it's definite now because the Surgeon General, the CDC, 
those are the kind of groups, because they're public agencies, have to be pretty conservative in what they declare. So if they've gotten to the point where they're saying, yes, it's related to liver cancer, you can be pretty sure by now that there have been lots of different studies and you can compare it with a meta study and say that the, the p-value is pretty small and high correlation and all that kind of stuff. So it, it looks like there's a lot more evidence about how tobacco is bad for you and it's more solid evidence. And it looks like because of this and also since it's been the 50-year anniversary since the Surgeon General back in the 60s said smoking is bad for you and this is why – that there's an even greater push now for trying to get people that last 18% to not smoke. So either trying to get kids to not take that first puff uh, because there's something like 80% of smokers say that the, the first cigarette they had, they had in their teens. Mm -hmm. um, and also getting people who are already smoking to stop either with graphic warnings or maybe... I, I don't know that the graphic yeah, warnings really work. It, what what I've read in the last couple of days about smoking cessation programs is the biggest factor they found in effectively stopping people from smoking, either stopping them or, or making sure that teens don't start, is making it really fucking expensive to buy a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. That's the number one thing that they do. And, I, you know, I, I, on the flip side to comparison, like, I know I shouldn't eat as much sugary food as I do. It would make sense to me, and I would not have a problem with it if they doubled the price, if they put a 100% tax on Doritos or something, and all of that money went into healthcare and um, paying for obesity problems or, you know, just general healthcare to help people and, and more research on stuff like that. So I wouldn't have a problem with tobacco prices doubling as well with some kind of well, tax. Well, they've already, they've already been doing that. Yeah. I mean, there I, is a they should huge... just keep doing that. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge uptick in the price of cigarettes simply because they've been trying to ta uh, tax price the shit it out. out of it. Yeah. yeah. Tax, it's the, tax the it out of the morality tax or whatever yeah. you want to call it. But the, the, the one thing I do understand about smoking is that in certain situations, it's just cool. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. you know, like a film noir type yeah. of situation. And, and I have Spike to agree. On Buffy, yeah. You know? No, I have to agree with you. That the iconic noir image of the guy in the window with the wife beater and the trumpet and it's backlit and that he's smoking the cigarette. I'm or not even, a smoker. I don't I like him. I was, but, thinking, I was or, thinking more of the London fog with the hat. Yeah, and or that. So even There's, Sarah Connor in the Terminator with the big gold, you know, Sarah Connor like five inch ash because she fell asleep while smoking, yeah. kind of thing. That tells you something about the character. It, it, yeah, but there has been a big push, even more so than there have been to really get less and less smoking in movies nowadays. Sure. And I know... Because they don't want to make it cool. It, it, but I know that that was one of the discussions in The Hobbit on whether Gandalf should, like, you know, be sucking on some lozenge or something. And I was like, no. <laughs> you just, you know, you can't, you can't have that. But... Yeah. So don't, don't smoke, kids, unless you're a spy. <laughs> Or you're a 1940s movie. Yeah, or just or not you're like, fucking helping Gary. <laughs> yeah, or, or you're do in we the movie. ever really help? We do. Gary doesn't. That's not true. That's... I'm sure I've helped at least one person at one point in my life. Apparently I... you're trying to help people start smoking. Uh, no, I, I distinctly said don't start smoking. You said it sarcastically. I did not. 
I didn't know such he thing. Says, he and says you, everything sarcastically. And you associated, yeah. if you did smoke, you should be a spy, which yeah. is cool. So you're making smoking cool by the transitive property. Only if you're a spy. Or, 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 a, or a private dick. That would be a private investigator for you, Greg, because I know you'll, you'll make some snarky comment about dick. No, that's the that's that's the article we're going to get to at the end with the uh, Are researcher you gay? with the uh, weird uh, weird name. You know, what? forget it. Let's just go to that one now. Yes, um, the yeah, Guardian actually published a published an article about a neuroscientist whose name is Dick Swab. No, I'm not joking. My it's inner two B's. Most no two A's. Oh. Two Whatever his name is, Dick Swab. <laughs> Everybody, get your twelve-year-old giggles. Just a very out. unfortunately named scientist. At least he's not a uh, proctologist. I was thinking more urologist. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> but he actually published a controversial study that says basically, if a woman during pregnancy has basically a stressful time, their kid is going to turn out gay. <laughs> Well, now I have I have heard this, uh, in and I've read this in different studies that statistically speaking, uh, after or the numbers of of homosexual children born say after World War II after the bombings and stuff, there was a correlation between how many homosexual how many people grew up to be homosexuals that were born shortly after the uh, the bombings. Could also London. have been that it's become more and more culturally acceptable. But yes, I've I've heard of the same numbers. Yeah. Right. Um, he has suggested that drinking and taking drugs will lower a child's IQ, while taking synthetic hormones and smoking can increase the likelihood of girls being lesbian or bisexual. Having more older brothers is also thought to increase the chance the boys will be gay, possibly because of the development of a mother's immune system I've heard to that have too. a stronger response to male hormones with each son born. <laughs> I have heard that too. With that being said, I come from... A family with lots of boys. According to all of my brothers, they're straight. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just going to leave <laughs> that statement right there. Right. It's just a statistical relation of, of it, it seems that the more older you, like for each older brother you have, there's an additional 33% likelihood that you are gay if you're a male. And then as well as I know several families with lots of boys that have one brother who is gay and it's always the oldest so <laughs> well the he's whole, just happy because he's the oldest the whole theory or hypothesis between the birth order gay relationship thing is that on the first son the mother's body reacts to the 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 chemicals that make a boy a heterosexual and the mother's body produces antibodies to whatever that is and those antibodies stick around so that the second son that comes around, those antibodies are already there. So maybe there's a little bit more of a reaction so sooner, less likely. And then by the third or fourth boy, they're just swimming in chemicals that are fighting the chemical that makes you a heterosexual male thing. But that basic concept, that hypothesis, they haven't actually found any actual mechanism. Plus, I think there's... Even though there's a bit of a lot of exchange at the placenta, there's a bit of a kind of a barrier there for hormones and chemicals between the mother and child. So there's a lot less communication than that hypothesis would assume. 
Well, so, the placenta gets a little worn after the first couple of babies. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk to Donna now. Well, he also went on to say that studies show women who took synthetic estrogen between 1939 and 1960 to reduce the chance of miscarriage had a greater chance of bisexuality or lesbianism in their daughters. So it really, it just, to me, this whole article was all like, look, it's all the mom's fault. You lived in stress, yeah. you smoked, you drank, da 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 Back to you. We don't really know what causes it, but we're just going to blame you anyways. Right. Well, uh, I mean, the, the you're taking drugs, or you've had so many children that it's the birth order thing, or the, the, the added estrogen, which is weird because you think added estrogen, even synthetic estrogen, would make a woman more female, which would be more interested in a male rather than less. But that, by, either, by the way, all of those things, when you look at them from a, a bird's eye view, all of them have the same connotation that being gay is a birth defect. Right. And I mean, that really comes down to the cultural war because the idea of gay being something that you were born that way is, is something that the culture war is all about. And it's kind of, well, if, if it's something that happens in the womb, yes, someone who's homosexual is born that way, but it's something's someone's fault and can be cured which makes it kind of a mixed quote unquote win for the LGBTQ community to say that, okay, yes, we found out the mechanism that changes, makes someone different from another, someone else, someone gay oh. versus straight. Yeah. And he also said that, you know, living in a high area of high pollution is linked with an increase linked to autism. So obviously I there should be a lot more, a lot more, you know, I guess autistic kids and say, Beijing or Mexico City <laughs> than say San Antonio or or Silicon Valley where yeah. there's a huge autistic population there. Yeah. But that exactly. that has been correlated more with the intelligent levels of the parents, right? Not the pollution levels. Where right. you, yeah, so right. And it's it, I remember these pollution level autism studies have been very small local studies, and it seems like this Doctor Swab or Mister Swab. It doesn't say oh, just a professor. He's probably just a Mister. Um, no, usually professor, professor, professor usually is, is, a doctor. is conferred doctor. Okay. I didn't know uh, to call someone a professor. They had to already be a doctor. Not all professors are doctors. Not all doctors are professors, but there's a really high overlap. Okay. So it's probably Dr. Swab, but we'll never know because we well, don't. Well, it depends. Uh, you may be uh, doing the, the equivocation thing. With the term doctor, because when you say doctor, and if you get a doctorate, like if I were to get a doctorate, I'd get mm -hmm. an electrical engineering, but I'd be called doctor, but I wouldn't be a doctor. Right. Right. Okay. Is that, but you're just saying this, he's professor. And so he, you're he's saying a professor in neurobiology. Yeah. So it would be a medical degree. It just, I don't, it doesn't say he is not a doctor in the article. Oh, okay. It just says Dick Swab. That's it. <laughs> So I think, yeah, I think some writer had the same reaction you're having right now to his name and assumed someone with a name that silly was not going to be a doctor. But anyway, um, God, where the hell was I going with that before we went off the rails again? I don't know, but uh, Dick, Dick Swab, before you go on, Dick Swab is a Dutch physician and neurobiologist. So he would be a doctor. He's probably, probably. doctor yeah. and doctor. Yeah. Doctor MD, doctor. Yeah. Um, doctor? Doctor. Doctor. PhD. PhD. Doctor. 
Okay, he's probably MD, comma PhD. Yeah. But there was also another article released this week about smoking in children's hospitalizations with asthma, which had some really interesting factoids to it, or I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, so. I'm not sure. Um, but where they were. I was interested because it relates to asthma, but. <laughs> um, but yeah. this uh, smoke exposure is linked to children's hospitalization. They actually studied the saliva levels, the saliva smoke, nicotine something. Right. And it seems like some people were not exactly reporting the truth. <laughs> they, they, let's back up a session. So what they w were studying is all the, all the kids that came in, or as many were willing to participate, the kids that came into Cincinnati Children's Hospital with breathing-related problems, either asthma or other breathing issues. And they polled the parents to say what, you know, various questions of what's going on, including what's the kid's exposure to smoke. But they also tested the kid's saliva or did a blood test for uh, cotinine, or cotinine um, which is essentially a breakdown product of nicotine in the blood. Right. So they were able to confirm, well, scientifically, what is the level of nicotine that this kid has been exposed to. And yeah, like Donna said, there's a big disparity between what the parents said and what these levels show. Right. It says close to 35% of parents reported their children having some tobacco exposure, but about 56% of the children's blood samples and about 80% of the saliva samples revealed that continine was in their system. Right. Now, the question is, is how quickly does the continine break down and everything else, which wasn't explained. So if they had been, if it, it if it remains there for, say, a week, mm -hmm. you know, they might not be getting it necessarily at home I, I don't know. Well, uh, the only thing I can think something. of is imagine your friend who smokes, who hasn't had a cigarette in eight hours. They're, they're jonesing, they're shaking. So you'd think that whatever the products are of a cigarette, they probably break down fairly quickly and need to be replenished fairly quickly. That's my only guess. Yeah. I am not a doctor. I have no idea. But I assume that to have levels that, that they can trace... It's fairly recent and maybe also fairly regular. So I, I don't know about that, but it, it, it's we, we said at the beginning that, you know, people may not be entirely truthful. It's not necessarily we're saying that they're lying, but like, you brought up something just a second ago that maybe the kids aren't getting at home. Right. Maybe these are because they, they studied kids between one and 16 years old. You right. think of all the kids between hell, like eight and 16, who are sneaking a cigarette out of mommy's purse or buying a cigarette Blame for the their mom dad. Blame the mom again, huh? Blame the mom again. I wasn't, I couldn't think of a good place to where daddy keeps his cigarettes. In uh, his pocket, on his shirt. It's a lot higher. rolled up in his arm sleeve. But it's harder to steal a cigarette from your daddy's shirt pocket as opposed to mom's purse, which is in the front hall. Hmm. Yeah. If I recall correct, my, my dad had cigarette okay, packs no, all no. over the place. The kid went into mommy's and daddy's bedrooms and stole a cigarette out of dad's pants or yeah. got or some money dresser. and had some bum buy them a pack of cigarettes and, or, or little Johnny uh, stole a pack of cigarettes from, from mom and dad 
and was giving them out to friends and they were trying it after school or something like that. So it may be a small percentage of these are kids who do have some smoking activity that the parents have no fucking idea is happening. But it can't be everything. I mean, this is 35% of parents say, well, yes, there's some smoke exposure versus 80% of the blood samples saying, yeah, they got some nicotine. That can't all be that. Uh, the other idea I had was that if there are parents who smoke but don't think they're being around their kids, it's that they, they it's a combination of not realizing just how, how much smoke travels. Like a parent nope. thinks, well, my kid isn't exposed to smoke because when I smoke in the car, I roll down the window. It's like, no, the kids are in the other room or outside. And, and connected with that is either a parent smoking in the car or around the house or whatever. Maybe the kid's not in there when the parent is smoking, but there's third hand smoke, which is all the residue. Mm -hmm. If anybody has like me, unfortunately spent a night in a smoking room in a hotel. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. The residue is everywhere. And I am sure there was a lot of, that nicotine must have gotten my bloodstream just well, being in that room. Well, when I first moved into my old house, the lady that lived there was, I don't know how many packs a day smoker, but I, a chimney smoke smoker. Yeah. And she had painted the inside of the house like the year before. And the white paint that she had used was yellow. Oh, and she was all, anyway, it, it was disgusting. Yeah. It was really disgusting. You got to repaint. You got to do carpets. You got to clean out the well, vents. The whole, yeah, everything. everything. Yeah. When when I came out here to look for my house before moving here, I had a similar experience. Found this. My my realtor was like, look, I want you to look at this one house. It's got everything that you guys want, including a pool and a hot tub. It's reasonably priced. The guy's going into um, assisted living. I was <laughs> all minute. like. Why is this house so reasonably placed? Is it haunted or? No. Well, okay. So it's me, my two brothers, and my mom walk into the house and the first thing that you smell is massive amounts of pot smoke. Nice. <laughs> and apparently he just smoked the pot in the one room right by the front right. door. Cause once you got further into the house, you couldn't, you know, but the whole house would have had to be steam cleaned yeah. and everything else. And we walk in and we're like, Oh no, that smell. And my mother's all like, he burns a lot of incense, doesn't he? (laughs) So we walk out and I I look at my realtor and I'm all like, I like the house. There's a couple of things wrong with it. There's some water damage and everything else. If we do, we're going to have to put in about steam cleaning and repaint and and everything else. And my mom's like, what's, what's going on? And I said, we're like, I can't live with that. He's like, He's self-treating his glaucoma. And my mom goes, I don't understand what you're talking about. And so one of my brothers says, um, he's dancing with Mary Jane. And my mom stills like, I have no idea what you're talking he about. He follows the Grateful Dead and you know, listens Finally, to a lot of fish. My oldest brother goes, Mom, if she buys the house, we're going to have to call it Reefer Madness. And my mom goes, he smokes pot. We're like, yes, Mom. And then she stops for a second and she goes, how do you all know that? We All three of us at the same time popped off with, we went to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, along those lines. I mean, just how far smoke can travel. Every freshman college kid who thinks putting a towel under the door is going to make sure that his neighbors don't smell the tobacco or marijuana smoke. They're idiots. <laughs> so take that under consideration when doing that in your dorm room, kids. <sighs> Gary. 
We're right. supposed to be telling kids not to smoke in the first place. I'm just telling them that if they do, they're going to get caught. We don't tell them what to do. I we do. make suggestions. <laughs> yeah. We expect them to think for themselves. Not about smoking. Smoking bad. No, 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 no. Evil. This from the guy who doesn't drink. So, <laughs> your point. <laughs> In so, general, smoking bad. Smoking very bad. Yes. Smoking pot can be good for you. <laughs> Treat your glaucoma. In certain situations. Hey, apparently it's it stopped has acute. been shown to treat certain things. Yeah. I just wish it didn't have to be the dude, all the dude people who are like, yeah, we should legalize it for medical reasons. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. why you want it legalized. Yeah, what, 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 I, what I love about what, what I love about people who smoke, or the, the, the the quite a few I've met is none is of them. They're easy to fool. Well, <laughs> well, none of them think that that I could tell that they've been smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that one. That yeah. whole, that it's whole. It's so they fucking think obvious. They're being sneaky. Yeah, yeah. but they, I mean, it, they they go from com- conversing like we are now to basically talking like, dude, you know, yeah. just it, they mellow out a little bit. They get to kind of. It's there is a difference in the way they do it. It's if, hilarious. If they're the type of marijuana smoker who does get mellowed, because apparently some people when they smoke marijuana. It's like speed to them or, yeah. or cocaine where they get really scared and paranoid. Yeah. Those are the people who just go away. Yeah. You don't see them anymore. It, but, 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 the, but generally, the people who do that don't tend to smoke marijuana. Right. Either they don't do it <laughs> they, or when they do it, they just do it home alone yeah. and in a safe environment or something. And you don't see them come back out and say, dude. <laughs> oh, cleaning the house. Okay. Uh, right. Where, where yeah. are we going with this? <laughs> um, I mean, that's mostly just, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a matter of, you know, people who report, they say, oh, no, my kid hasn't had any exposure, and you yeah. find out, oh, well, yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, you really whether don't know where are, you're getting it from. Right, whether they are intentionally lying or right. they don't. You know, it's they like, don't realize that the kid is being, you know, they like don't realize that when, on, they, on like the dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like supposedly every, every used dollar bill has some amount of cocaine on it. <laughs> that, of course, is an urban type right. legend. So we can't back that up with any facts. But the real world <laughs> importance of this study about these kids and what is their exposure to cigarette smoke? Yes or no. Is that exposure to cigarette smoke is a very big indicator on whether or not the kid will be readmitted within a year for more mm. breathing problems. Ah. So knowing whether or not the kid has been exposed to smoke is a very important indicator to know how to treat them and maybe how to treat the parent to say, uh, listen, I don't know if you smoke around the kid or not, but it'd be best for you to not smoke, one, so your kid doesn't pick up that habit and fuck up their own asthma, but also you don't know how many accidental breaths of nicotine that they're getting here's a pamphlet on how to quit um you know you call 1-800 quit now or something like that smoke enders only took my dad 13 years (laughs) i still remember the long car rides across like country and my dad you know cracking the window and i'd be all like (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's cold out roll it back up yeah, when, 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 I, when my dad was smoking, we actually didn't have air conditioning in the cars. Oh. We we had like VWs and stuff with the little uh, L uh, triangle, triangle windows. windows. Yeah. 
Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that I can I can run. Smoking bad. I think we're done with yeah, that. I think yeah. so. Yeah, pretty much. One good thing about smoking is oftentimes it does keep you quite thin. <clears throat> okay. I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's good. It's not the smoking that keeps you thin. It's, well, okay, yeah, because it's an appetite suppressant, and people, when they quit, they start eating to compensate right. orally, and also because their appetite isn't suppressed as much. So insofar as that, yes... But no, don't smoke. Anyway, keep going, Gary. Uh, so, but, so it's sort of like the, the smoke, you know, kill yourself, but diet and smell like hell. Um, <laughs> but it appears there was a new study, I guess, done on the blood type diet, showing mm-hmm. that the, it doesn't really matter what type of blood you have. Uh, to determine what type of diet you should have. And this is something that I had just heard about two weeks ago when we were doing a, a screening. Because it's been a fad for, for quite a oh, while. I had no for, idea. Yeah, a couple of years. There's a yeah. there's a book out called Eat Right for Your Type. And it basically says if you have a type A blood, you need to eat... Vegetarian. Vegetarian. If you have a type AB, it's vegetarian but with like... Chicken and fish. Yeah, like, fish and eggs. Or are fish okay. and eggs. Yeah. And then if you're a type B, you can add in more meat. That's me. More dairy. Because, more dairy. Yeah. And I'm, lacto- <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. Yeah. Well, you can have dairy. It's it's kind of what you can add back in. And then type O is pretty much, you know. High animal protein, the meat diet, the, the, the low grain diet. Because essentially... Back, I don't know how many years, this guy, James Diadamo, um, and his son, Peter Diadamo, came up with this idea of the blood type diet for these four different categories under the assumption that the blood types within the human race developed at different points in our evolution. Yeah. So, if you look at that point in our evolution and when the blood type arose, you can determine... Essentially, a la the paleo diet, what you should eat. Right. So the idea was the type O, which is the plenty of meat but low on grains, is your hunter-gatherer ancestral blood type, being the oldest because we were type O way back when. And then we eventually, when we were more agrarian, we developed the A blood type. So that means you should be more vegetarian because agrarians apparently never eat meat, but we'll get into that later. And then... For nomadic, nomadic tribes, where maybe there was more cows and goats around, that's the type B. The pastoral diet. Yeah, where, where you can have a little bit more dairy. And because A and B is kind of a mixture of those two, it's a mixture of the A and B, which is where you can have mostly vegetarian with a little bit of fish and eggs. See, that, yeah. that, just, that just sounds really weird because... And uh, really fucking stupid, but yeah, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, just basically because you have two different parents who had two different parents who had two different parents who had different blood types probably mm-hmm. and so just be your it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me well there's uh, here's some other reasons why it doesn't make any sense <laughs> the assumption is that o was our original state that we developed the other blood types later on some evidence is showing that we actually started out as type a Okay. So type A would have been our original ancestral type. A so, for ancestor. So that's completely wrong. And the various stages of development for humanity, and Donna can speak on this a hell of a lot better than I can, have, did not happen the same way in 
all points of the earth all at the same time. Correct. So just because blood type B, for sake of argument, rose X number of years ago in Europe does not mean that people who were blood type B in Asia were at the same development in their culture as well. Agriculture versus hunter-gatherer versus whatever. Well, the general consensus is is that that civilizations, and I'm using that term very, very loosely, go from hunter-gatherer, which is, you know, small groups of like 10 to 12, to a pastoral group where they're moving some domesticated animals, usually sheep and goats, not necessarily cows. Okay, yeah. But that's like a slightly larger group. Maybe camels. Camels. They move. And then once you reach agricultural stage, not pastoral, agricultural, where you're bringing water in and, and using animals to plow fields and everything else, that is the next Stage, stage of evolution. Yeah. Stage of growing as a society. Right. Not human evolution, but societal growth. Thank you. Thank you for, for correcting me on that one. Cause I'm, so like, this, yeah. this whole, you know, B is from the pastoralists. And so we, we can add all of this stuff in, but then we take it away with the agrarian. Yeah. Well, I'm calling yeah, BS. The, the idea that. Is that blood whip? <laughs> That in agrarian societies, because we started to grow our own food in regular ways, that means we should all be vegetarian. Like I said, it's weird that they're saying, oh, then you should cut out meat entirely because people still had meat when they had farms. People still have you know, meat now. Um, they still wanted to eat meat. Yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 it's a weird Presumably. kind of paleo diet thinking. That there was only one way of eating. It's like a dietary yeah. horoscope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and, and uh, like going back to the type O being your ancestral blood type, being that that was hunter-gatherer, so you'd have more protein. What about all the paleo ideas that the old ancestral idea is, oh, well, we were just monkeys in the trees eating fruits and, ve- and, and, and roots and stuff like that. So we shouldn't eat grains or meats. So that conflicts with each other because neither of them make sense that way. Yeah, I completely agree with yeah. you. And okay, one mother, one other weird thing about this whole blood type diet is the philosophy of the father and son Diadamos is that there are these proteins on foods called lectins. I don't know if this is a real thing or just mumbo jumbo because I didn't have time to do that much research on all of this. But the idea is that these lectin proteins will supposedly bond to stuff and they're thinking bond to your blood for basically the different blood types. And because they'll bond, they'll essentially clog stuff up in your blood and arteries and veins and stuff because they'll clog up in certain areas. That means there will be reduced blood flow, which will disrupt your body leading to things like kidney failure or heart problems or stuff like that. We would notice that. Anybody who's done an autopsy would find these clogs, these essentially clots, these blood clots in people's bodies that would be essentially leftover food particles bonded to blood that cut off uh, blood supply to the liver, which meant they had liver failure. Yeah. 
but we haven't found that. So there's no science behind any of that. Yeah, there's, there's no correlation for all right. of this throughout the history of autopsies. Yes. So, and, and given our modern diet and even our pre-modern diet of 100 years ago, where no one was following this bullshit, people should have been dropping dead left and right because they weren't following these prescribed different diets and thus would have been getting these clogs well, it, and, and would have been dying. Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to the whole paleo-type diet anyway, where they're, oh, well, you want to you, you want to eat these types of things because this is what we ate uh, ancestrally. But the fact is, you ate what you had at hand. Exactly. So if you were in a field of berries, you ate the berries, but you didn't necessarily have guacamole. Right. Because guacamole is not grown wherever you're at. Right. Which is why we modern humans have such a problem with obesity, because we have food in abundance and readily at hand, and our brains tell us, eat as much as you can because tomorrow you could be starving. Yeah. So, this brings us back around to a study done by Dr. Ahmed El-Somi. Uh, and this time it actually does say he's a doctor, so I think, I think it's a guy. Damn it. Anyway. Moving on. Um... The study he did was... Wait, Dr. Ahmed El-Sahami? Yes. Ahmed is a male name. Yes, that's why I assumed Okay, that way. Dr. Ahmed El-Sahami is uh, up in Toronto, and he did the study where they took uh, 1,400... Uh, yeah, 1,455 participants who were kind of young and healthy, so that kind of restricts some of the application of the study, and they gave them a month-long questionnaire about their eating habits. What did you eat in, in various days? In what proportions? And they had like pictures and sizes like, oh, about the size of your fist. That's a one serving of meat. How many servings of meat did you have? Blah, blah, blah. How many apples did you have? Blah, blah, blah. And they checked their blood levels at a fasting level so they can measure things like glucose and um, insulin levels and cholesterol and all that kind of stuff. In addition to taking that blood test, they could determine someone's blood type. And so they took all these participants and they measured, based on what they were eating, how much they applied to one of the four diets. Hmm. And this was all blind to what blood types they were. And they said, okay, you know, subject 23, based on their eating habits, is following a type O diet. And they said, okay, are there health differences between the people who are essentially accidentally following these various diets? If someone was basically a vegetarian, that meant they were following an A diet. So that meant, um, you know, what is the health differences? And they did find health differences between the different types of diets. Yes. As you would expect. Shock. Yeah. The type A diet was associated with a lower BMI, waist circumference, blood pressure, serum cholesterol, triglycerides, insulin, HOMA-IR, and HOMA-beta. Which the means you're on a vegetarian diet, you're losing weight. So the AB diet was also associated with lower levels of these biomarkers, except for BMI and waist circumference. Adherence to the O-type diet was associated with lower triglycerides. Well, well, okay, let's let's say what the primary factor of these diets was. So A is vegetarian. What, what's right. the uh, AB? AB was the addition of like fish and eggs. So vegetarian okay. with it's fish. like a, a pescatarian almost. Okay, and then typo is the meat, right? Correct. Typo is typo the, is a Atkins almost low, Atkins low, low grains, high meats kind of diet. Sure. Yes, and then the type B is was more open, right? 
Type Type B was the basically kind of almost vegetarian with dairy, yeah. the nomadic diet, so. where maybe you had some meats, but it was a little bit more mixed. Um, and that was the just generally they found low cholesterol with the like, like type B. So well, actually, uh, there was no significant association was yeah. With there there was a little bit with with cholesterol, but not a lot exactly. I'm sorry, you're you're right. So they found with these four different diets, if you if you matched one of these diets really well, there were significant differences in these levels. But that's just the diets themselves, which you would expect for eating different things. You would be slightly different balanced. Then they took these basically 1,400 participants and said, okay, based on their diet and their health levels, whatever, is there any significant difference if you factor in their blood type? Because they had factor in like sex and race and, and all so, that kind of so stuff. So in other words, uh, someone's on a type A diet, but they're, they have type O blood. Right. And so therefore... Are they unhealthy? Exactly. Right. And if they're type A blood and they're eating a type A diet, are they more healthy? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. Not no an electronic sausage. <laughs> sausage, sausage. Sorry, quoting Blackadder there. Anyway, and uh, yeah, they basically said it has nothing to do with blood type and everything to do with these differences between people is whether or not you can stick to a diet. Right. They actually say that no significant interactions were observed between diet score and blood group. For most of the risk factors, except for fasting glucose. Right. Is that glucose that's on the diet? No, it's it's your glucose levels when you haven't eaten in 12 hours. Oh, I see. Gotcha. You need to go to a doctor. I probably need to eat. That too. <laughs> so besides all the reasons we, we were starting with at the beginning of the conversation of why the whole blood type diet is... Eh, let's be generous. Hokum bullshit. Now, finally, a study has been done. Because that's what the author, El Somi, has been saying. Is that prior to now, there's no scientific basis for believing that a blood type diet could exist. But there are sometimes certain diseases have a correlation with blood types. Because I think it's like, it was type B people who had a lower risk of type 2 diabetes than the type O's. But considering we never really hear about, oh, if you're a type B person, or don't worry as much about diabetes, type O, really worry. I've never heard anything from my doctor about anything like that. It must be a fairly low correlation because no one tells you if you're this blood type, you should get checked. Hmm. So there are some connections between your blood type and your health in other ways. In, in, in addition to wanting to basically tamp down this diet fad if it if it was bullshit the doctor said all right let's do a study let's actually show it and yes there are little problems with a study where it's mostly you know people's in their 20s who are generally healthy already um and it was 1400 people right. which is good but but it's based on the book that has uh, that sounds like the idea sounds good right but when you start thinking about it, it really makes very little sense and and that's where most diets kind of come from of yeah. it sounds good to have a cleanse and only have grapefruit all the time or right. or, or or whatever or the shakes yeah or, yeah we've we, we've gone over the diet thing a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> yes but yes uh blood type diet total bullshit and now we have scientific proof that uh 
Donna's friends will not listen to when she gets in Facebook arguments with them. Right. Yeah, well, I'm not going to argue with them over this one. I'm just going to say they're... As long as yeah. they're healthy, you give a shit fudders. what they're doing. But, uh, I mean, this is the kind of thing where now that we have studies like this and articles about it um, pretty well describing what's going on, there was a pretty good blog entry on earthsky.org about how this shows that blood type diet is complete bullshit and also explains kind of blood types and what they really mean <laughs> that we'll post to the blog. Right. And and these are the kind of things that people can post to something like rebutter hmm. rebutting other people saying, Oh, you got to try this kind of thing so that maybe eventually people start listening to us skeptics. Maybe. maybe, maybe someday we can dream <laughs> unless we know Donna's friends. Or my hippy dippy um, friends I, I, from I about college. Say, yeah, I've got. We've all ha- we all have those. We all friends. have the friends on Facebook yeah. that that we just we know no, that when we post Facebook. something, somebody's going to be like, yeah, yeah, and they're I, not know, crazy enough to completely defriend, but they're just angering enough that you're like, fuck you, God, post, post. Yeah, it's just post, it's post. just the one. It's usually the one thing because the rest of the time they're fine. Yeah, it's just the one thing where you're like, oh, well, what did you read? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we all admit to having blinders about certain things and and all that jazz, and that's something that we have to remember. But when it comes to stuff that is easily refutable and it's easily looked up, but if it's real, I just have. Is, I am so gonna just. Is is this Be, why you had the declaration earlier this week that your your big phrase for the next year was going to be "Let me Google that for you"? Yeah, to the Google. Yes. Because well, have you been to "Let me Google that for yeah. you"? I love that site <laughs> where it literally just types it in for the person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the internet is a double edged sword because you can find a lot of bullshit on there, like natural news and Burkola and all that kind of stuff, but. If you know which sites that you can generally trust, you know, you can generally trust the science on CDC if you trust the government. Um, right. But um, I, I guess working with a lot of actors, yeah. man, I have to deal with a lot of big government. Well, there's, there's a lot of superstition in acting because you really don't have a lot of control other, over things like whether or not you get the part or not. Or whether no, or not you have a good performance. So you, you you want there to be a lot more agency in the world. So you believe in conspiracies and stuff like that. I think. But the minute that I hear somebody say, big pharma, big government, uh-huh. big fill in a blank. Yeah, you, yeah. You get I that immediately go, too. what are you smoking? <laughs> that's where I, I just want, that's the first question I want to ask. Yeah. You, you, but you get that in... All, all right. Because yeah. you get that in engineering where it's a lot easier to trick yourself and to think that you're thinking critically because yeah. we're trained to think critically. Right. They, they like, like me working with programmers, they know how to think themselves into a box to protect what they want to protect. Yeah. Whether they're super religious or global warming deniers or whatever, they can construct the argument to basically refute all arguments and protect what they have put, value. Put their for. firewalls up. Well, exactly. you know, and we we do call out the right side of the political spectrum when they talk about climate change and all of that jazz. But we also have to remember that the left side of the political spectrum has their anti-science nutters oh, yeah. too. Sure. It's just this this in, in the in the last 
let's just say the last decade, they've gotten better about it. Because they, they used yeah. to be nutters. They used to be the nutters, and the Republicans used to be a little bit more moderate. But it's, it's just, we've just shifted. That's what oh. I think. I th- yeah, but they're, the, the extremes have gotten louder well, and more press true. coverage. Yeah, that's true. Right. It seems <laughs> that, extremes that, are fun. Yeah. that the left side bitches, you know, they bitch about, you know, anti-science of anti-evolution, well, anti-climate change and everything else. The, that's the, that's the, the left, right. Right. So the left. Yeah, right. The left side is all about natural, anti-GMOs, right. anti-fluoride. Cause Anti-vax I in some of them. Anti-vax. Yeah. And this whole natural childbirth thing, which <laughs> I've just gotten recently exposed to. Wow. These people that are all like, oh, under no circumstances will I go to a hospital and you suck as a parent if you have a C-section. <laughs> Sorry, apparently I suck. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are assholes out there on both sides. Yep. You know. Yeah. And there was actually just recently on Forward Progressives, there was a really great article about the anti-vax movement being the left's intellectual problem with science. Yeah. Was, you know. So we got to fight everybody now. Damn it. Because we're the smart people. We're the right ones. We never do anything wrong. Well, it, it's, it gets back to this <laughs> whole herd immunity. And if you catch it naturally, you're so much better off. And it's a lot of this naturalistic fallacy yeah. that you see amongst this anti-vax natural childbirth what i call the, this this intersectionality of of naturalism and yeah bears are natural can they <laughs> and they'll rip you your fucking face <laughs> off <laughs> bears are natural meteors so those are natural too I, I you know what i prefer my bears to be unnatural Preferably, you, you know, stuffed looking for a honeypot. <laughs> you know what's also completely and utterly natural? This current transition to Gary's closing of the podcast segment. Yes! What did we learn this week? Absolutely nothing. He said non-sequitorially. <laughs> transition! <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, it's like we're watching the room all over again. <laughs> well, we learned that Mer- Mercola has a MacGuffin. And it happens to be his data. We learned that Linda Blair is still alive and is protected by Pazuzu's pedals, which she keeps in her pocket. We learned that smoking, amazingly, is still bad for you. (laughs) And it can be an indication that you or your child may soon see a hospital. We also learned that blood shouldn't determine what's for dinner, unless you're having a nice steak. Or you're a vampire. Or you're a vampire, indeed. That's all we learned this week. That's it. That's it? That's it. Nothing else. Huh. Nothing to see. Move along. No. No. If, if you learned anything other than that this week, uh, you're reading way too far into Witcher. Or listening way too far. Right. I don't know. One other little bit of business keeping is that... You know, Facebook doesn't want you to see our page because they want to make money off of us. And we don't have money because we're a tiny little dinky podcast out of San Antonio. So if you have already liked our Facebook page, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't, please go out and like. But also, if you have already liked our page, please go to the page and click on the little button that says that you've liked it and say get notifications. Because we share the, the kind of stories we've been looking at throughout the week. 
do our little snarky bits on the Facebook page, but also announce our new episodes and if there's any delays or whatever. And you can communicate with us with story ideas or what you thought about post episodes or just talk to us in general, things you'd like us to talk about. So because often if you don't do get notifications, you don't see our page ever, even though you liked it a year ago. So Mm -hmm. if you would like to please do that, we'd appreciate that. We don't, we really try not to spam up your wall with anything big. Um, but um, keep up with our news that we uh, post on Facebook. Thank yep. you. And leave a, what's your thing? Uh, a review. A review on iTunes. Yes, that's also nice. Yeah. As, especially if it's a nice review. <laughs> well, we'd, yeah, we'd hope. Most of our reviews are nice. Yeah. We had te- technical difficulties at one time. That was like episode one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was like episode one through 145. <laughs> no, okay. no we, we, had, we had echoes. It was, was no, the, it was the, the live. Dalek episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, the Dalek episode. Yeah. Anyway, it happens. <laughs> but we're better now. Yes, right. I feel much better now. All right, so thanks for joining us this week. Thank you, Greg and Donna. Thank you, Gary and Greg. Thank you, Gary and Donna. And listeners, thank you once again for listening to us and downloading us and streaming and blah, 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 blah. Dear listener. (laughs) Yes, dear, dear listener. (laughs) I didn't realize that our listeners were undulates. Yeah, we've been over this before. Apparently it means uh, heartwarming. Or really? loved, well, well, beloved, 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 yeah. beloved, beloved listeners. But Gary, I don't, I don't love anybody. Gary's the so. type of robot that doesn't understand this human emotion called love. So no. that's why he has a big problem with that. And I don't why have a big be... problem with that. If I don't understand it, why would I have a problem with it? Because you just get frustrated by all our human emotions and peculiarities. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Yes, you humans. You humans confound me. (laughs) That's why you start out every episode with life. Don't talk to me about life. Yeah, I never got the... They called him the paranoid android. But really, he's not paranoid. He's he's depressed. Yes. Uh, So I was always greatly confused. Still, good song. Yes. Okay. Uh, And I think that's it. Yep, I think I think it was it about five minutes ago, but we just kept talking, yeah. like we usually do. Yeah, but he's yeah. he's he's pretending to be an executive toy. Yes, uh, no. Oh, yes. I thought I was the Brazil. little balls going back and forth. Click, 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 click. No, click. that'd be a Newton's cradle. Yes. <laughs> or your bit <laughs> from Tron. Yes, gotcha. <laughs> back off, no unit. <laughs> One of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> All right. We're out, I guess. Probably. <laughs> they stopped listening like 13 minutes ago. Have you done? I think so. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. 
<laughs> oh wait, uh, we can't say that. We have to have to cut that. I I figured probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cut cut baby. Well, it doesn't. It's a podcast. Who gives a fuck? I don't think Jono is ever going to listen to this. No. <laughs> yeah. Keep it. Cut it. Whatever. Yeah. It, that, that's, supposed, that's supposed to be a big surprise. Yeah, he's already been releasing the picture, so it's not really that big of a surprise. And he has mentioned baby Jesus on Facebook. Okay, yeah. so we're good. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> Probably cut that entire last bit of the conversation. <laughs> about the fact that we should cut something or cut the bit about talking about whether we should cut what we just cut. Absolutely. <laughs> Third base. I think so. Yeah, pretty much. But blood good. No, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Duh. I don't blood. drink. <laughs> I don't smoke, but I... Like blood. No, that doesn't make any That's, sense. Either. Now it's also with an Italian accent, kind of a. Oh, you want the tootsie fruity ice cream? Yeah, exactly. I dropped my pen. Damn. Uh, so not much of a transition into the the. Yeah. Ah, motherfucker. Yeah, but one one good thing about smoking is oftentimes it does keep you quite. Reading way too far into Witcher. Or listening to way too far. Right. I don't know. There is one little other thing, just a little pita... Pedophile? <laughs> <laughs> little little pedophilia. <laughs> or people eating tasty animals. People I for really the was hoping you would have gone for that one first. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Anyway... One other lid, uh, one other, one <laughs> stiff upper lip. <laughs> one other, other. Wait, charades. Sounds like <laughs> I can't do. Sounds like because I can't talk. One other lid of fuck. <laughs> little ladle. Since Yo, we, we can get through this. One other little. <laughs> Uh, one other little bit of um, business keeping. <laughs> <laughs>